You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carl Stebbings and Matt Smith. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 104 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in my kitchen studio this week is my co-host Matt. Hello, hello, everybody okay? Hello, yes, we're all good, we're all good, yeah. We've, yeah it's uh, been a busy old start to the show, actually. It's been a very busy start mm. to the show, yeah, indeed, yeah, yeah with me cooking and, and Matt uh, doing uh, his usual... Um, <laughs> his nervous breakdowns. Nervous yeah. breakdowns whilst uh, doing the audio and visual stuff, but yeah. uh, we are here. <laughs> we are. We're, and we're only eight, nine minutes late this That's week, not which bad, is good. Yes. So. so it is, if you are listening on YouTube, obviously welcome. If you're listening to the podcast, the episode that you're listening to is episode 104, and uh, the uh, it is nineteenth uh, of, of March, yes, mm. and it's just gone ten past two. So we were due to have uh, a guest on the show this week. Um, Miami Rick was actually due to join us on the show this week, and uh, unfortunately, due to some uh, ground technical issues uh, <laughs> with uh, with his aircraft and uh, some ground support aircraft, he can't unfortunately make it on the show this week. But. Uh, we will hopefully we will soon. get him on at some point, but at incredibly short notice. Like, incredibly like, like short, like notice. about fifteen minutes ago, <laughs> uh, we do have a very special guest. So I'll leave you to introduce him. Yeah, he's been one of our uh, one of our listeners on the show now mm. for for quite some time. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's uh, he's uh, he, he's kind of a he's kind of a, a, a good friend of yours, I think, in the in the uh, technical sense because he's a, he's an I'm audio. Very, I'm very jealous <laughs> of the picture I'm looking at in front oh, of God, me. I no. have to say, <laughs> he's an he's an audio and visual mm. technical yes. Uh, yes. genius. So, so, so pointers will be required later. Thank you. So yeah. welcome <laughs> on to the show, Neville Bounds. Good afternoon, gents. Hope uh, everything is well with you, and uh, yeah, absolute pleasure to uh, to, to be here, uh, albeit at short notice. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. this is good. It, it's great to have another. As I say, I'm I'm the first to admit that uh, I really don't know a great deal about planes, and and it's handy to have a, <laughs> a, 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 a proper enthusiast because uh, we have got some very big stories to cover uh, today. Uh, and I think uh, <laughs> Pilot Pips in the chat room is he? He's just put uh, Rick sucks every cloud though. Welcome. Neville. Oh, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. That's, that's good. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, so welcome onto the show, Neville. You, you, you've, uh, I, I'm guessing you've been listening to uh, to us, um, me and Matt, rattle on for the last few uh, few Drones episodes or such. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I think because it tends to be on, on over at a weekend, uh, I'm usually quite busy at the weekend, so I very rarely get the chance to uh, to listen to it live. So uh, the last couple of weekends I've managed to do that, though. So, uh, yeah, it's very nice indeed. So uh, absolute pleasure to uh, to join you today. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, we, uh, I, I was actually, uh, I had a busy night. Uh, I think it was, was it Thursday night, Neville? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thursday night we. Um, uh, I think it's safe to say you you hijacked someone I else's know. show. I think that's the we, best way to describe we it. We kind of hijacked the uh, the end of uh, APG's uh, yeah. latest episode, and uh, and Jeff very kindly gave me control of the chat room. Yes, and uh, Neville came on board, yes. and so did Micah, who's in the chat room now. Yeah, and uh, Myla as well. She came on uh, as well, and we kind of had a an after show party as such. It's kind of like the extra show, isn't it? So it's the APG Extra oh, no. or something APG like that. APG Extra, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Uh, we, we had loads of fun, didn't we? 
<laughs> he says he's looking. <laughs> yes, yes. No, it, it, it was it was good actually, and uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I think the only slight problem is it was so uh, late. Yes. I had a very early yeah. start the next day, so uh, sleep was at a premium. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Sleep's, I, I, sleep's overrated, though. We've discussed this before. Yes, <laughs> I know my wife Gemma came in and gave me gave me a really um, unhealthy look. evil look. <laughs> yes, that's one that's just like you know the one that curdled oh, milk. That I sort know. Of look, yeah. oh, bless her. She does put up with a lot, but no, it, we she had. Does. We had some fun. It was, it was really good. It was good to have a chat with everyone and chat to you know chat to people who we normally see in the chat room, and we don't get a chance to kind of chat face to face as such. No. Um, so so again, hello to everyone who's joined us in the chat room. Mm. Uh, hello to all you who've uh, who've uh, yeah come in there today. I noticed some people also, um, if you are watching on YouTube, got got an actual uh, notification this yeah, week. Yeah, the notifications is, have started working again, which for, is for YouTube. Excellent. Which is, but uh, uh, yes, oh, actually, on that note, uh, we do as as I'm sure many of you know, we do do a YouTube version of the show, but we that will never ever be a replacement for for the main podcast. We had a, a tweet during the week where somebody sort of worried was concerned yeah. that we were sort of moving from from the audio-based show to the video. This is merely just a, if you like, a compliment because some of the stories, it's quite nice to be able to show the pictures and the videos mm. that, that go with it. Um, but uh, we accept, uh, as I say, we never have any intention of moving away from the audio podcast. That will always exist. Yes, so we have, uh, we've got loads of news uh, to yep. go through this week. Obviously, um, the one thing I didn't, yes, uh, it's... Uh, we yes. haven't got a segment from Pip. Nope. Uh, Pip's been uh, far too busy um, sunning himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> he's in the chat room though. But yeah, uh, no, he's, he's he's had quite a busy week, so um, we we look forward to a segment from Pip next week. Yeah, uh, possibly covering something that we're going to cover in a moment. So yeah. that would be quite okay. uh, quite good. So we're going to start off the show uh, with the news, and as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Yes, yes, I am. Let's go. <laughs> So, kicking off this week's first news story then, and uh, this was some news that came in overnight, and the sad news, obviously, of the uh, Fly Dubai 737-800 crash in Russia. Uh, we've been sort of, kind of, before we start the show, trying to catch up on as many, uh, um, you know, decent yeah. reports of news that we could find through the various uh, places online, and also we've, we've uh, managed to um, find some ATC recordings as well. Yes. Uh, of, Which we're going to uh, play out for you in a minute, but we'll just cover the story in, yeah. in its So let's just d deal with the tech side of things. Yeah, so uh, the story then uh, on Flight Global, and this is uh, kind of as, uh, as recent a, a yep. story as we could find in it. Uh, the Russian investigators have disclosed that the uh, Fly Dubai Boeing 737-800 had already executed a missed approach at uh, Rostov-on-Don before its fatal accident. The Emergency Situations Ministry states that the crash occurred at 0342 local time during a second attempt at landing at night. Flight FZ981 had been due to arrive some two hours earlier at 0140, says Fly Dubai. Meteorological data from uh, Rostov-on-Don shows the airport had been experiencing rain and reduced visibility and gusting winds at the time of the, of the aircraft tried to carry its initial approach onto runway 22. Uh, the aircraft aborted the landing and held for an extended period before a second landing attempt. 
Uh, this, if you go on to Flight Radar 24, there was some coverage of this on Sky News, and they had mm. the um, the flight plan that shoot the aircraft circling for the yeah, two hours. Really. So weather information at the uh, from the airport points at the uh, to the continued presence of uh, Columbia. Colum- I should get this right, really. I've got to do my weather exams. <laughs> yeah. Kumalu- oh, blimey, I can't say that one. But Something. it's clouds and yeah. rain showers <laughs> and wind gusts, uh, gusts to around 20 to 25 knots. Uh, Russian Transport uh, Minister Maxim Sokolov says the accident will be thoroughly investigated. Mm. The Emergency Situations Ministry had issued a manifest listing 55 passengers and seven crew members on board the aircraft. Fly Dubai says it believes there are no survivors from the crash. We, we know there isn't, though, unfortunately, due yeah. to the news reports we've seen. Um, but they are working closely with the authorities to establish the cause. Mm. Uh, Emirates Group, which was instrumental in establishing Fly Dubai, says it's offering every assistance uh, to the budget carrier. Fly Dubai has disclosed uh, had just disclosed just ten days before the accident that it had joined uh, IATA as a member carrier, which uh, had required passing the association's operational safety audit last year. Uh, Fly Dubai's uh, IOSA safety uh, audit status remains valid until June 2017. Right. Okay. Well, what we're going to do now, then, as I say, we've managed to find um, some ATC recordings uh, involving the the flight in question, uh, and we've also found a couple of video clips which are going to play now. So, if, obviously, if you're listening to the podcast, you'll only hear the audio side of things. Um, but I'm pretty sure these videos will be widely circulated. Uh, if not, obviously, come to the YouTube page and. Uh, and uh, you'll be able to see it from there. So we're just going to play those uh, those clips out for you now. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Scarabai 981. Uh, tower, Scarabai 981. Scarabai 981, Rostov Tower. I'm uh, just calling you there to see if uh, you have any improvement on the weather. Scarabai 981, now wind 230 degrees, 10 zero gust 14 per second. Cloud base 630 meters, visibility 1000, uh, correction 6000 meters, uh, and shower rain. Okay, thank you very much. Any which here warning? By uh, 9 or 8, 1, negative. Okay, thank you. And when you look up windows there, it looks better than before. Scatter by 9 or 8, 1, uh, moderate. Okay, thank you very much. Information, bravo. Thank you. Uh, tower, Scarabai, uh, 981. Scarabai 981, Rostov Town. How is the weather, sir? Is it better? Scarabai 981, uh, weather at 0020, ability 5 uh, kilometers, uh, ceiling 630 meters, so... 
So you kind of get the gist there that the recording goes on for another five minutes. Um, obviously, while the aircraft is is on a you know on finals, and uh, I should just say we found we found all of all of those clips on YouTube. So if you want to find them in greater detail, obviously, and listen to them in more depth um, themselves. But I mean, obviously. A very very sad story. Yeah, I mean, that, you could hear on the recording there that they said uh, that the uh, the tower said that the visibility was six thousand meters and they'd reported no wind shear. Right. Um, I mean, I've I've looked back at the video myself on uh, on YouTube, both the videos on there, and um, I mean, I, I, have you have you watched the videos, Neville? Oh, I haven't actually uh, yet, Carl. Um, but uh, just the thing that that struck me straight off uh, was um, with the flight time as it was um, again I'm not a pilot but I think I would have been uh, thinking about diverting long ago yeah. and uh, maybe holding for I don't know 30 45 minutes maybe and then uh, then off to the alternate yeah yeah there was a report on Sky News that said that apparently an aircraft that was uh, on you know on finals before um, this uh, fly Dubai aircraft came into you know, was was on you know approach. It mm. it had um, it, it uh, aborted and gone right. to its alternative airport. Mm. So it's uh, you know it's it's well it's something they'll obviously investigate yeah. as to why uh, why these guys didn't just kind of think well you know the weather's visibility's not that great you know the the surface conditions may not be um, great either on yeah. the runway. Mm. Um, just so, I mean, out. either way, this is this is uh, you know an ongoing story. Obviously, if we get anything yeah. during the show extra, we'll 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 bring it to I you. Mean, the late, the latest can. pictures that we saw on uh, on Sky News before we before we went live. Yeah. I mean, the the, the 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 actual scene of the crash. I mean, there was it was total devastation. Uh, Neville, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the report on Sky. Yeah, I saw a little bit about it, and of course you, you don't know what the uh, braking actions were like, aquaplaning, all sorts of things, you know, if, they, if they've come in a bit hot, uh, another perhaps, I don't know, 10, 15 knots faster than normal because of wind shear yeah. and this kind of thing, uh, that puts a lot of pressure on getting the thing stopped, but th there's some stuff that's gone on before that, and uh, it's not clear to me what exactly has happened yet, mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, from what I mean, it came down at quite a quite an angle, isn't it? it that little clip that uh, that everybody's been running. Yeah, Marsh has just said in the chat room actually. What I said to you earlier, Matt, yeah. was on the video. The aircraft seemed to be, you know, quite uh, really, really, really yeah. way pitch too angled. Quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it wasn't a, a you know a gentle you know you know uh, into the ground. It was kind of a pitched angle, really. Mm. You know, like a steep angle. Heading right, right for the ground, so it's just kind of one of these, one of those where we're going to have to wait and wait and see. I think, isn't it, before we find out exactly what's occurred? Yeah, not, I mean, not good either way. And obviously, um, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of everyone. I say all our thoughts and and prayers go out to uh, oh, yeah. anyone who was uh, involved in in that in very any way, shape, or form. From from flight crew and pilots to passengers on board. I mean, it's all, all really very very sad. Yeah, I mean, obviously the, they'll retrieve the um, the data recorder and yeah. the uh, flight the uh, the cockpit voice recorder. Yeah, and uh, they'll probably be sent off to. I'd imagine uh, they'll be sent off to Farnborough. I think isn't Neville? I think Farnborough does the um, the downloads in the UK for the flight data recorders and stuff. Yes, that's where the AAIB yeah. is based, isn't right. it? Yes. Yeah. So. Do they do do international as well as just us, or will they get? 
access to the... I think that they're asked quite often to assist in uh, international incidents as right. well. Not, not every time, but uh, it depends on the circumstances and the protocols within yeah. the different countries, I would imagine. But uh, certainly the AAIB in the past has been involved with international incidents, yeah. So we'll we'll leave the story there. Obviously, um, we will uh, we'll have updates on the Facebook yep. page uh, as and when we hear things, them, yeah. uh, and also a great source of information for those of you who don't know already is uh, is also um, the Aviation Herald. Yep. Um, Simon does a great job in uh, in keeping that that, put, yep. uh, that site updated with with great information. So yes. keep your eyes on there, and uh, let's hope they find uh, the cause of what. Uh, what happened here indeed yes anyway on to uh, next story on to normal service shall we say normal service is about to be, re be renewed and surprise surprise story two even uh, on a day Ooh. like today is funny enough a Ryanair story and it's always been left to me so here we go this is on the breaking travel news website and the headline is Ryanair opens new Vil Vilnius is it Vilnius Vil Vilnius? Vilnius? Oh, I don't know. Vil Vilnius. We need, we need uh, uh, Jennifer yes, on here. Yeah, somebody quickly <laughs> correct me. Uh, Ryanair will open a new base at Vilnius Airport from 30th of October with two aircraft, an investment of $200 million as Ryanair grows its Vilnius traffic by 16%. In addition, Ryanair launched its Lithuanian winter 2016 schedule with two new routes to Berlin and Malta and three new winter services to Birmingham, London, Luton and London stands to 23 routes in total, which which the carrier claims will deliver 1.5 million customers each year. In Villainous, the uh, Ryanair's chief commercial officer, uh, David O'Brien, said, uh, We are pleased to announce our second Lithuanian base at Villainous, uh, number 82, from the 30th of October with two based aircraft. An investment of $200 million uh, as we grow our traffic at Villainous by 16%. Our Lithuanian winter 2016 schedule includes two new routes to Berlin and Malta, three Yay. new winter services to London Luton and London Stansted and 23 international routes in total which will deliver 1.5 million customers per annum and support over 1,100 jobs. Our 106 million customers can look forward to further wow. improvements as we continue our always getting better program. Oh, there it is again. The <laughs> always getting better program which includes more new routes, a new app, new cabin interiors, new crew uniforms and improved in-flight menus. To celebrate the launch of our new base and winter 2016 schedule we are releasing 100,000 seats for sale across our European network at just 19 euros 99 cents which are available for booking until Friday the 18th of March so we I think we've, we've missed it no it's today isn't it yeah no that was yesterday the 18th of March since these amazing no these amazing low prices will be snapped up quickly customers should log in and avoid missing out what well, we already have because obviously it's now Saturday. I but, know. Uh, it's absolutely. So, uh, but yes. another great destination yeah. uh, to go to. Uh, Paul Trick has just said in the chat room that yeah. uh, Lithuania is well worth a visit. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's one of those uh, European destinations. You know, there's a lot of different places where I'd like to visit. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah, kind of been, in in there with those. Um, cause it's supposed to be quite a uh, cultural. Yeah, a place I think to go. So I, I wouldn't mind trying that. <laughs> but uh, another another destination for Ryanair to send uh, send some of its new um, Maxes seven eight or seven three seven Maxes when they get those uh, come online. Yeah, uh, this year I think they're getting delivery of those. Um, are you a Ryanair fan, Neville? <sighs> As I was mentioning <laughs> the other day, I, I've got to the stage now at, at fifty four. Uh, <laughs> I, I really have become a bit of an aviation snob. Right. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's not the answer people want to hear I realise no but, no uh, no uh, I, 
I have flown them once. Right. Uh, I think it's from Luton to Kerry once. Oh. And, uh, it's not my preferred <laughs> uh, no. method of no, transport. But they are, they are doing a business, uh, business class aircraft now. We covered in the last episode. Never, never. <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I just think that uh, even, even that's a stage too far. I mean, not, <laughs> did the, uh, the pitch looked good, didn't it? Was it yeah. something like Four, uh, 48? 58, 58, or, or 58 or, I, I don't yeah. know what it was, but it was an absolutely <laughs> massive seat pitch. But uh, no, I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's... Uh, BA from Heathrow for me, uh, uh, even if I have to save up for it. <laughs> Very sensible, I think. How, yeah. Actually, I was going to say, uh, Neville, on the subject of BA, how are they, I've never flown BA in all my all the years I've been flying. I've never flown BA. Are they because um, you hear so many different mixed reviews and stuff. Are they uh, a good air? Being our obviously national airline, are they, are they good? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that they've had their, their moments in the past, certainly. Um, I think that the product and the service is really good for me at the moment. I do a lot of uh, domestic flying, mainly from Heathrow to Edinburgh, Glasgow, Dublin, Belfast, that kind of thing. And uh, probably twice a year to the US, uh, usually something like that, and once a year to Amsterdam. Um, I, I do like the product and the service. The, uh, the crew seem to do a really nice job. Uh, I think the uh, things like the captain's PAs and the first officer's PAs are really good. Uh, they always uh, meet you uh, at the exit when you're, oh, wow. when you're getting off the aircraft. That's quite nice. Um, but, of course, it, it depends on how much you want to pay because um, if you've got a short notice situation, then that fare structure probably doesn't suit a lot of people. Um, but uh, if you know when you're going to go and you've got a bit of time to, to plan it, then actually the, the fares are, are comparable in, in some cases. Not, mm. in, not in every case, but um, uh, I suppose why I like flying them is because if something goes wrong in terms of an aircraft has gone tech or there's a, an issue, there's normally a backup plan uh, because obviously the, the hub is, is so big here at Heathrow, uh, close to where I live. Um, that there's always a plan B, but of course uh, not so much so in the case of some of the other airlines. But you know that that's you know you pays your money and, and takes your choice. Yeah, yeah. I've I've when the, in the few uh, the last few years when we've gone out to Oman, um, and we've I've always looked looked around all different airlines and stuff. BA have have always come out you know quite a lot more expensive mm. than uh, some of the other airlines. But like you do Emirates get what you stuff. pay for. There's no two ways about it. Is well, there? But I mean, the service on service with, with Emirates when we flew um, to Oman with those mm. were, were really good. Uh, and Oman Air as well a really good airline as well service wise but BA BA do fly direct to Oman but really? uh, but the the cost I think when we went, when we flew out last year was was like an extra Four or five hundred pounds right. on the ticket price just right. for me and me and uh, wife to go there, but yeah. um, it's something I, I wouldn't mind trying. I'd love to try their um, service to New York from yeah. uh, London City Airport. That would yeah. be uh, quite nice, I think, because we we went on board their aircraft at um, Riyadh last year. Me and mm. uh, me and Pip went on board uh, uh, the uh, you know the Airbus there yeah. and had a look had a look round on the nice business classes <laughs> as you do. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Get a, get a, get having a moment. I know. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to the next story, yeah. and uh, on flight global, and the uh, Boeing seven eight seven dash ten major assembly underway. Uh, Kawasaki Heavy Industries uh, started installing circular frames into the mid forward section of the fuselage on the fourteenth of March. So that's kind of last week. Last week, yeah. Uh, two weeks ahead of schedule, uh, the manufacturer has said. The Dash 10 will undergo final assembly in Charleston, South Carolina, and is scheduled for first delivery in 2018. 
The aircraft is a straightforward stretch uh, of the 787-9 and the two variants design and build are 95% identical. Uh, the third la and largest member of the 787 family, the aircraft will be powered by the £76,000 thrust versions of uh, the GE Aviation Genix uh, 1B and Rolls-Royce Trent 1000 engines. We are taking all the right steps to ensure we integrate the 787-10 into the production system smoothly, says uh, Ken Sanger, Vice President of the 787 Airplane Development, Boeing and Commercial Airplanes. In December 2015, Boeing cleared the Dash 10 uh, transition from detailed design to the manufacturing assembly stage, also ahead of schedule. Mm. Boeing says that it uh, has 153 orders from nine customers for the Dash 10, including Singapore Airlines and United Airlines and GCAS. Now, GCAS, they're, a, they're like a leasing company, aren't they? Yeah, they're a leasing company. Yeah. Uh, also, I know Singapore Airlines. They've um, they've just recently got their A three fifty XWBs, right? And they are praising them no end. Uh, really? Yeah, a lot of Very people saying a lot of people are saying that the A three fifty is is pretty mm. you know awesome to fly in. Right. Um, so I I don't know how how comparable the the uh, Dash one you know Dash one thousand is to or Dash ten to the A three fifty XWB. Mm. Um, Size-wise, because uh, I know the uh, A350XWB has a slightly wider uh, fuselage than the Dreamliner, right? And the, also the sides are, um, are not quite so curved, so right. to restrict your head height and stuff okay. in the aircraft. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm yet to fly on the Dreamliner. Have you uh, have you tried the Dreamliner experience yet, uh, Neville? No, I, I can't wait, actually. Uh, we're looking forward to that uh, one day. Um, but uh, normally where I go to the uh, uh, the Dreamliner isn't on those services yet. Yeah. So uh, uh, I really can't wait to uh, to try that. Particularly, I think, um, with the cabin altitude being oh, yeah. so 6, much less yeah. than a regular uh, flight, it would be interesting to see what sort of condition you arrive in compared to a, a normal flight. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, because I've dropped it from 8,000 to 6,000 feet with the Dreamliner. Right. The, the cabin altitude is pressurised right. too. Okay. So you're supposed to feel more kind of like you haven't been in. Right, feel a bit more yeah, like you haven't been in the airplane in the first get place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's the reason why, why it's set so high then? It, well, it, it's all. Well, I think Pip would probably uh, chip in yeah. here. But it's obviously you have to pressurise the aircraft. When you, yeah, no, when I get fly. that. But, but why do they choose that rather than a more more familiar you know, sort of an out, I, honestly, an I'm not going to say I know because I don't. No, but, okay. you know, I'll take a, a, a on, bit Neville. of a stab at it. Neville, I, I, I guess it's <laughs> to do with the uh, construction of the aircraft. Um, the 787 and a lot of the newer uh, planes as well uh, are all part of the uh, composite structures now. So there's a lot of work done in composite materials, the sort of... Um, uh, materials that are used in Formula One, for example, are so extremely strong but very, very lightweight. And this has enabled them to uh, have the pressure differential different uh, on, on in this kind of construction compared to the, uh, the regular. So I think that the um, uh, that's what's made the, the biggest difference. And I think it will be uh, the, the theme going on. I, I'm sure that uh, more and more aircraft uh, will be constructed of uh, composite materials. And um, 
I went down to the uh, Airbus factory at uh, Filton a few years ago and oh, wow. looking at some of the things that they're doing down there and uh, absolutely fascinating, uh, fascinating yeah, day out. And uh, so, yeah, I think uh, um, carbon uh, and sorry, uh, composite construction is, is going to be the way forward. Uh, and this, this will help uh, on the longer haul flights uh, for sure. Yeah, it's all about, it's all about the Delta P. <laughs> the what? The Delta we had, P. We had to get that in, didn't we? We had to get the Delta P. <laughs> okay, that's that's a reference that's clearly lost on me. I know. <laughs> you, you have to have to be an AP. You have to watch the APG show right. to get that. Okay. One. Yes, I know. But it always starts <laughs> at a time because I have to get up really early, and so it always starts pressure, at a time pressure, where I should have been in bed. Pressure differential. Oh, I um, see. Yes. Uh, right. Okay. Fair enough. My apologies. <laughs> but no, quite rightly in the chat room, um, I forget who it was now. The, the chat room's flying Nico, through. Some, uh, someone said about the uh, the pressures being the same on the A three fifty as the uh, as a Dreamliner, which which it is. They are pressurised to the same uh, same height, so that's very <laughs> much true. Yes. But anyway, um, on, on to the next story. On to the next story. And uh, for some reason, I'm being oh, it's, it's another Ryanair yeah, story. Published, it's another Ryanair story. <laughs> but, uh, and this is actually on the Ryanair website. So goodness knows what fabrication could be could well be on here. Uh, it is uh, Ryanair celebrates 25 years of low fares at London. So God, have they really been there that long? Mm. That's amazing. Ryanair's Europe, which is apparently, according to them, Europe's favourite airline. Today, on the 15th of March, celebrated 25 years of low fares from the Norman Foster-designed terminal building at London Stansted Airport. Since Ryanair's first London Stansted flight, Ryanair has grown from two routes to over 130, from one based aircraft to 37, from carrying 20,000 annual customers to 20 million customers per annum, and to carry to uh, 212 customers to 12, 212 million customers to date the UK customers and visitors can now choose 130 routes to from London Stansted and can look forward to other further improvements as Ryanair continues to grow strongly at London Stansted I'm not going to read any more of that out because it's uh, far too much trumpet blowing for my liking <laughs> if I'm brutally honest but uh, yes but no, Stansted Airport. We've all we've all flown. Well, no, I know. All I know. No, well, and in fact, Auntie Wendy is flying because uh, my Auntie Wendy's coming on holiday with us. Um, oh, is she flying with Ryanair? Uh, yes, yeah, she's flying. With, no, well, she's she's landing in at Stansted because we suggested maybe oh, going know. to Dundee or or somewhere like that, and then I'll go and pick her up when we get there. But she's decided she wants to sort of tag in on the on the whole experience, shall we say? So mm. she's she mum's going to go and pick her up from Stansted to bring her here. She's arriving on Wednesday, so uh, I shall get a thorough report on her flying experience oh wow yes sounds good sounds good indeed so next story on flight global and uh the uh, it's a picture story but we'll get the picture on in a minute yep uh so the first air baltic cs300 in production uh latvian carrier air baltic has shown off its first bombardier cs300 bombardier sorry on the (laughs) (laughs) i knew you'd say that (laughs) on the production line delivery of which it expects later this year the riga based operator has 13 of the pratt whitney pw1500g powered type on order air baltic chief martin gores has distributed an image of the carrier's initial aircraft serial number 55003 undergoing assembly the airline says it will become the first customer to operate the larger variant of the C-Series when it takes delivery of the twin jet in the second half of this year. Air Baltic has operations uh, or options, uh, I should say, on another seven uh, CS300s, and the carrier is progressing with fleet modernization following a capital injection from a German investor. There we go. I'll put the picture on the screen there of uh, this uh, CS300 there with... Uh, 
There we go. Look, look at that. Look, with the uh, pre pre paint work, this mm. is look here. So with, they're like, um, like like an undercoat. Yeah, yeah. At least <laughs> it's do it do its paint job, but right. uh, it's kind of all almost dreamer dreamlinerish looking with the. Um, well, it's very difficult to tell. You don't see a lot there. No, there's not a lot there. <laughs> no, indeed. It's uh, they don't seem to have released a great deal. No. <laughs> No, it'd be good to see that with the uh, with the actual uh, Air Baltic colours on there as well, because they've got quite a nice uh, colour scheme in their aircraft. Yeah. So moving on to the next story. Yes, uh, the next story is uh, a flight global again, and, and it's another picture story. Uh, and it's or have I not clicked on? No, have I done? You've got it. Yeah, yeah oh, I have got it. Yes, it is. Uh, it's another picture story, and it's Delta takes delivery of its first A321. So Delta Airlines has taken delivery of its first Airbus A321 with entry into service scheduled for May. The carrier took delivery of the aircraft registered uh, November three zero one Delta November and uh, Mike. Sierra November 6923, I've been practicing my phonetic alphabet especially, uh, in Hamburg on the 16th of March. It says it will ferry the aircraft to its Atlanta base on the 17th of March. Uh, purchasing a new aircraft and in this case an entirely new subfleet for Delta takes a team of passionate and devoted experts armed with their insight, craft and know-how from across the airline to make that happen, says Brian Shea, General Manager of Fleet Management at Delta in a statement. Uh, it's a great aircraft with fantastic economics and cabin enhancements aimed at improving our customers' flying experience. The airline plans to debut the A321 on flights between Atlanta and Orlando on the 2nd of May. Delta confirmed its A321s with 192 seats, including 20 in first class, 29 in economy comfort, and 143 in economy. Uh, it will use them to replace aging Boeing 757-200s no! in its fleet. <laughs> the carrier has, has firm orders for 45 A321s. Flight Global's fleet analyzer shows it plans to take delivery of 14 more aircraft this year. Now, to be fair, they have to update their fleet cover. I know. I know you love the plane. No, the seven five two hundreds. They're yeah. just you know they are. Oh. Well, they're they're second on my top five of uh, favourite aircraft anyway. Really? Yeah, after yes. the TriStar, obviously. Neville is nodding. Yeah, yeah Neville. <laughs> see, Neville Neville is a connoisseur of fine aircraft. Right. He, know, he knows the seven uh, five. <laughs> yeah, is a fantastic and uh, I, when uh, British Airways used to run them on the shuttle services between Heathrow, Glasgow, Edinburgh. Uh, and Belfast. Uh, it, I, I mean, this aircraft is seriously overpowered, and I, I'm I'm never really sure whether they use it, use those uh, derated takeoffs as as often as they should do. But uh, <laughs> honestly, even with the full load, this thing went down the runway like a scalded cat, and uh, oh, yeah. a beautiful sound to go with it as well. Fantastic. Yeah, with those RB two elevens. Oh, fantastic right. engine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, they're still flying. There's still loads of them in the, in the air, though. I mean, a, a lot of the uh, cargo carriers uh, still use the 7.5s, don't they, Neville? Yeah, that's right. Yes, mm. very, very popular aircraft and uh, very flexible as well, I think. Uh, I think there's a few that can be uh, reconfigured and there's various combi versions as, as yeah. well. Yeah, Titan in the UK, oh, they use uh, the 7.5s. I, I think they've got a... Have they got a combi version? I can't remember. They've got a passenger version. Oh, no. But uh, no, Titan use them, but they're, but they are still a still a really popular air, aircraft used by lots of airlines across the world. But um, no, that's good news for Delta anyway. Mm. Uh, with that, um, with some new aircraft coming online for them, because yeah. they're starting to phase out a lot of their older aircraft now. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the next story, uh, yes. and this is on Flight Global, and it's another picture story. When we're when we're ready with uh, with Matt, yes, we'll bring it up. 
So the uh, headline TAM or TAM operates uh, first A350 international flight. So Brazil, uh, their TAM, TAM, has operated its first A350 international flight with service to Miami. Oh, I wonder where they saw Rick while they were there. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, it landed uh, early this week. The aircraft arrived to a water cannon salute oh. after a flight from San Paulo. Uh, oh, blimey, it's another one to pronounce that. Gruallo, 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 See, if Rick was here, he'd be able to pronounce that. Gruallos. Gruallos. That's what I'm going to go with, Gruallos. And uh, it was due to return to Sao Paulo uh, later that day. TAM operated its first A350 revenue service in February uh, with service between Sao Paulo and Manos. Uh, it took delivery of the aircraft in December last year, and TAM has said that it plans to operate the Type to Madrid uh, in April, followed by New York, John F. Kennedy, and Orlando in July. The subsidiary of uh, LATAM Airlines Group ho uh, holds orders for 27 A350s, comprising of 15 A350-900s and 12 A350-1000s that will be delivered through 2021. Its A350-900s are configured with 348 seats on board, uh, 30 in business class and 318 in economy. So if Matt will bring that up on there, you can see... Um, there's a picture there of uh, Tam's Airbus A350 mm -hmm. there, in uh, in the full Tam the uh, colours there yeah. in the logo. It's a very, there's a very nice sunset behind it. It's going, a lovely picture it? that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And we've got one there of there we go, the America's first X3 uh, A350 XWB. Look, oh, there we go. Cool. Nice little, nice little I'm shot. I'm going to ask a very silly question now. What are those things sticking out? They look like taps. Uh, they're machine guns. <laughs> they're uh, machine guns. Oh, okay. I just <laughs> I just, just wondered. <laughs> No, they are they are pitot tubes, right? Um, okay, and what do they do? And they they detect the uh, airspeed and oh, stuff. They okay. send yeah, airspeed signals to the yeah. uh, to the flight deck. Yeah. There's normally one for the uh, captain and one for the first officer, right? Uh, there, and they also also have some normally the other side as well as a kind of redundant backup. And I think yeah. below that you've got a static port for. Um, okay. So there we go. Well <laughs> oh, done. No, get, yes. get involved, man. <laughs> Sorry. Because it's, uh, it's, uh, as I say, it's, it's uh, trying to learn as we go along, you see here. I've got no idea. Put you, put you on the spot, Neville. While you're, while you're here, we'll, we'll uh, put you on the spot as a, as a, as a quick guest uh -oh. that you've been. <laughs> run, Neville, what, run. What, 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 <laughs> uh, what are you a, a, a favourite person of, the, uh, the Boeing products or the Airbus products? Yeah, I, um, I got to like the Airbus uh, a, a lot, actually, over the years, particularly when British Airways changed from the 737-400 series uh, to uh, the Airbus fleet for, for the short-haul ops. Uh, but actually, the, Air, the Airbus is a pretty flexible um, machine because uh, in, in the, you know, in, in medium haul as well, it, it's really, really quite nice. So uh, the other, uh, last week I was over in Fertaventura and we, we took an A320 from Gatwick to Fertaventura and that's about a four, just on a four hour flight in each direction. Very, very comfortable indeed. I must say I do prefer the Airbus in turbulent conditions as a, as a passenger. It really does seem to be a little bit more stable than the, the Boeing product. But uh, again, you know, this is purely from a, a passenger standpoint mm. and not as an operational crew. So, uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I do like the Airbus product, I must say. And of course, when it first 
came out uh, all those years ago, uh, there was a lot of question about the the fly-by-wire part of it. You know how much mm. redundancy was there? Uh, why wasn't there? You know, lots of mechanical backup everywhere. But as it's turned out over the years, the the reliability of the systems has been fantastic. And uh, yes, that there are failures from time to time, but yeah. there's uh, so much redundancy on board uh, the aircraft. Uh, these these failures are extremely rare and can be easily managed. It seems. Yeah. yeah, I've been on the 380 now quite a few times, and um, in in pretty rough kind of um, weather. Yeah, and uh, I have to say, I mean, for such a huge aircraft, it is it is it's like being on a magic carpet. It's so smooth, <laughs> it really is. No, it, it's um, I'm, I have to say, I I do prefer the Boeing kind of things, sort of products myself. Yeah. But I have to say, the 380 is uh, is is a lovely aircraft to to you know be a passenger on, even in economy. <laughs> but wow. uh, but no, uh, um, you know both the Emirates and the Qantas 380 that I flew on were um, you know were, were really good. You know, the, yeah, the, the actual space, you know, the, the the feel of the cabin and everything, you know. It, it is a huge aircraft anyway, yeah. but um, the way that uh, Airbus have kind of got everything positioned, you know, gives it quite an airy feel, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Have you uh, have you sampled the 380 experience yet, Neville? I haven't, no. And uh, again, looking forward to a, a trip where I can take that somewhere. Uh, it's my other half's, uh, she's got a very significant birthday in about 18 months, right. two yeah. years' time. 21st, so, uh, right? Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's the one. <laughs> uh, so I'm trying to save up uh, yeah. to take us somewhere for that birthday. And uh, a prerequisite is that it has to be on an A380, oh, right. oh, <laughs> even right. though it's her birthday. And actually, she's not a, a mad, keen flyer either. She, right. She's not, uh, I mean, you know, we, we could not be too uh, more different people. She hates it, and I love it, basically. So yeah. um, I'd really try my hardest to get her on the, you know, the, the nicest possible flight, the nicest possible seat. And obviously, there's a cost associated with that. But uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find some uh, uh, an A380 route, uh, which we can go on. I have to be brutally honest with you. We have a similar problem here in the studio because I'm absolutely terrified of flying. Yeah. I can't think of anything more frightening than being in an aeroplane. And uh, my, my colleague, uh, Mr. Stevings here, uh, is <laughs> very much the opposite of exactly that <laughs> I, I i love the longer flights oh, I, oh, no. I, I i'd love an 18 19 hour like the ones we covered in a few stories oh, back you know a few no. episodes back you know the longer the better i just love being i've got to say that. actually uh, matt that uh, when i when i first uh, left school uh, at 16 uh, i had a real fear of flying it, it was uh, very very noticeable and right. uh, I, I, it took me a while to conquer it but of course we're going back we're going back a long way now and i was so fortunate that the um, the BA crews and the British Midland crews that I used to uh, whose planes I used to fly on uh, at that time yeah. were so generous because they said well would you like to come up and join us on the flight deck you know right. be on the jump seat for the landing this kind of thing oh, wow. and of course this is all prior yeah, to 9-11 and yeah. um, uh, do you know what it made such a difference to the way I uh, felt about aviation um, rather than just something that, that got in the way and that was a nuisance yeah. and I hated I actually uh, developed a real passion for it at that time and I'm sure there are a lot of other people as well that if they'd had the chance to be on the jump seat for three or four times and they could see it all happening out the front uh, you know and just get a feel for uh, how the crews operate these uh, aircraft it, yeah. it makes a heck of a difference it's such a shame that we'll never be able to do that again yeah no, yeah. You, no you're completely right actually yeah. I, so yeah, I, I, keep, right. I keep meaning I, I do need to 
t- chat to Captain Al, don't I? Because he specialises. Yeah, in yeah, you should thing, do. You should do. Um, and and try and get myself. But no, a very good point, Neville. As I say, it's uh, I was now ne- I was never given that that opportunity. Perhaps that's uh, one of those reasons. You know why? why. You, you should ask Matt as well. You know, I, I should say this to you before, really, that when you but when you go on these trips on on yeah. the planes and stuff, even with Ryanair. You know, a lot of the cap, uh, a lot of the flight crew, a lot of the captains and first, you know, the, yeah. all the all the crew, they don't mind, you know, uh, passengers if there is time, obviously, yeah. um, for a, for a, a flight deck visit before before you they take, yeah. take off. You I know. mean, I I have had um, where I've obviously put off that put out that vibe, if you like, that I look a bit nervous, shall we say? And I have had cabin crew come up to me and sort of say, "Are you all right? Is there any questions you want to ask?" and, and all that kind of thing. I mean, I've, I've don't get me wrong, I've never had apart from one Ryanair flight, but then there we are. Um, I've never had a, a negative experience with regard to cabin crew. They've always been nothing but lovely. Um, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those but things. But you, you should definitely try it. You should definitely try yeah. it. Especially if you go, if you go long haul again. Because obviously, like we said earlier, we're both winning the lottery tonight. So yeah. um. A lot of the uh, <laughs> uh, mainline airlines as well, uh, I, I know that uh, Virgin Atlantic and British Airways and others do it as well. Mm. Uh, the, the fear of flying courses that they do are very, very effective. Uh, people that I know that be on, they, they spend, you know, uh, half a day or uh, three quarters of a day uh, in a hotel uh, and they talk to pilots and they get a lot of briefing about everything to do with, with their fears and anxieties. Yeah. And then they go on a 45 minute um, uh, flight, um, yeah. uh, normally base to base, you know, Heathrow yeah. to Heathrow or Gatwick to Gatwick. Um, and the vast majority of people that have come off that flight have said, I just don't know what all the fuss was about. I just yeah. no idea why I felt like this. So it's definitely worth uh, chatting to Captain L. I, yeah. I would say. I mean, yeah. I, I, mean, yeah. I, I can do it. I mean, I can get on an aeroplane because I mean, at the end of the day, it's the lesser of two evils. If I want to go and spend some time in, in a nice hot country somewhere, then I accept I've got to go on an aeroplane and do it. But I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love to get into a situation like where we're having this chat here and that everybody, uh, you know, actually get a love of flying. I, I really would like, I really would like to get that. Um, but uh, we'll have to see. I, I think it's probably just worth mentioning while while we while I just glanced at the chat room. Apparently, it's Mila's birthday tomorrow. Mila's birthday. Mila, sorry, Myla. I keep doing that. Yes, <laughs> it's Mila's birthday, birthday tomorrow. Tomorrow, honestly, you can't get the staff, can you? Oh, Mila's yeah. birthday. She's yeah. she's eighteen. Right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. I'm waiting for my P45. I keep just I keep hoping Carlos is going to sack she, me. She's eighteen, just to... like I'm twenty-one in August this year. Yeah. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> Was that twenty-one plus V eighteen? Uh, okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Terrible. But uh, anyway, yes, on to the next story. Next story, Flight Global, this one. And uh, the headline, uh, this is picture as well. We've got some pictures on the Oh, front. right, okay. So the headline, A320neo makes uh, air show debut in India. Ah. Uh, the A320neo, or new engine option, uh-huh. has made its air show debut at the India Aviation Event in Hyderabad. Uh, the aircraft bearing registration Victor Tango India Tango Charlie is the first of the type to enter the Indian low-cost carrier's fleet. It will appear on static display at the show, and the aircraft is equipped with Pratt & Whitney PW1100G engines. Uh, it was originally delivered to the airline on the 11th of March, um, my, uh, making Indigo the second carrier to receive the re-engine variant of the popular A320 airliner after Lufthansa. The uh, Indigo is the largest customer for the A320 with orders for 430 of the type. Uh, The A320neo's appearance at what is uh, relatively a small show comes after the A320neo failed to make an appearance at the Paris Air Show in June last year Mm. uh, and the Dubai Air Show in November uh, last year. 
and also the Singapore Air Show in February. Uh, other aircraft featured on the India Aviation Static Display are an Emirates A380, uh, Qatar Airways uh, A350-900, and uh, the first time the A350s appeared at uh, the show, and also an AirAsia XA330 as well, uh, and also a Boeing 787-9 operated by Etihad. India provides a significant amount of passenger feed to the Persian Gulf hubs operated by Emirates, Qatar and Etihad. And we'll just scroll up to the picture there yep. of uh, the aircraft there. There we go. Lovely. With uh, some employees of Indigo yep. uh, with the new Neo there. And if we move down to, here we go, to this one here, you'll see, there we go, in the nice... As blue is my favourite colour. Yeah, well, I, yes, obviously. I, I like I like their colours of their aircraft there. Yeah, but, Go, uh, going back to the story we were talking about a moment ago, it has to be said. Graham's just put something in the chat room that's made me laugh. It says Edu education is the best way to solve being scared of flying, though the more entertaining a more entertaining way to do it is to read a book of how to land an A three thirty next to two people scared of flying. Ah, <laughs> I think I've seen that book. That was that. I'm sure that book was written by James May. Was, really? Yes. Oh, yeah, because really? I, I know that because we printed it. Oh, right. Oh, of course. It, yeah, 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 we, we, yeah. The, the company I work for printed that book, so right. I, I do know that oh, book very well. Why haven't you got me one? <laughs> well, I've got, I've, I've got a copy of it somewhere, actually, Excellent. upstairs. So I'll have to get you one. Lovely. Yes, I'll have to have that for, for the next time I get on the <laughs> Ryanair flight. Yeah. <laughs> so next story is another another story from India. Love. Yes, okay, good, yes. And it is on Flight Global again. We'll explain why everything's from Flight Global, more or less, uh, shortly. But, uh, yes, India is to require 1,600 new aircraft by 2030. 32. This is according to Airbus. Airport Airbus is uh, forecasting that India will need over 1,600 new passenger and freighter aircraft by 2034 to keep up with the pace of growth and demand. In a forecast released at the Av India Aviation Air Show in Hyderabad, the European Air Framer estimates that the total value of sales will come in at around $224 billion. The 1,600 air aircraft comprise of 1,230 single aisle jets and 380 wide body and freighter aircraft. Uh, the aircraft sales forecast is based on a pro uh, projection that Indian air tra uh, traffic growth will reach 8.4% per annum over the next 20 years, above the world's average of 4.6. Domestic Indian traffic will grow at a fast rate of 9.3%. India will become the world's leading emerging aviation market and the third largest aviation market by 2034. This is according to uh, Airbus's predictions. Aviation in India has a bright future, says the executive Vice President of Marketing and Strategy Kiran Rao, uh, as Indian, uh, sorry, as India industrial in, industrial might grows along with its uh, along with it comes economic development, wealth generation, and a rise in the number of regular and first-time flyers. Uh, Jute van der Heiden, uh, is the Vice President of Marketing for Asia, expects an average of one Airbus aircraft to be delivered per week in India over the next ten years. In addition, Airbus forecasts that by 2030 the number of Indian cities with over one million monthly air passengers will be more than triple. Airbus, do you know how many people they employ? Um, a thousand. 74,000 staff. Lord. Wow, that's a lot um, of people. Which is a lot of people, it is. yeah. It is. 
Um, yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense, isn't it? Because I mean, it's you know, <laughs> by sheer definition, the population is growing at an alarming pace. Oh yeah, um, India's a huge market is, for yeah. for aviation. I know. Absolutely. Um, I, I do I do feel perhaps they ought to concentrate more on dealing with uh, you know sort of poverty and and, mm, and slums well. and things like that. Perhaps before they start worrying about. Uh, but then I suppose I suppose the answer is if you improve the industry to which everyone is in and therefore create more jobs and things, perhaps everybody automatically comes out of. You know, that's it. I mean, their their short haul, um, their short haul fleets in India and stuff are, yeah. are pretty huge as well. Their short hop, they they use a lot of the um, the smaller um, Airbus and Boeing products mm. for the short haul stuff. Yeah, but uh, the country I'd like to visit as well um, for uh, for many reasons. Right. India, it'd be nice to go there for a yeah, for a trip. absolutely. Yeah. Next story yeah. Uh, on the Telegraph. I found this one earlier this week actually, and it's one I wanted to include in the uh, in the show this week, and it's mm. on the Telegraph site. Um, the headline uh, is Royal Brunei Airlines first all-female pilot crew oh, brilliant. Uh, lands in Saudi Arabia where women are forbidden from driving. Uh, really? So the pilots, uh, the pilots were fine to land the plane in Saudi Arabia, but they have to make sure a man picks them up from the airport. Oh, for goodness sake. An all-female pilot crew touched down in Saudi Arabia last week, highlighting the absurdity of laws preventing women from driving cars. Once grounded, the Royal Brunei pilots would have risked arrest if they attempted to drive a motor vehicle on the kingdom's roads. Right. Having an all-female crew uh, was a massive milestone for Royal Brunei Airlines, but it threw into relief the absurdity of women not being allowed to drive when they touched down in Saudi Arabia. To uh, mark Brunei's National Day, which celebrates the country's independence, Captain Sharifa... Um, God, I, can't, I hope to say he pronounces right. <laughs> Captain Sharifa Shazrina Sarani, Senior First Officer Duck Nadia Pankashim, and Senior <laughs> First Officer, I'll probably ruin these yes. completely. <laughs> Uh, Serena Norden flew flight uh, B1, uh, BI081 uh, to the Middle Eastern country uh, in, uh, at the end of February. Uh, this came three years after um, the captain Sharifa Shajra. Uh, sir, oh, blimey, this is, these are the <laughs> absolutely yeah, horrible uh, to pronounce. Uh, became the first uh, female captain of a flag carrier in the Southeast Asia. In 2012, she told the Brunei Times, being a pilot, uh, people normally see it as a being a male-dominant occupation. As a woman, a Bruneian woman, it's such a great achievement. It's really showing the younger generation, or the girls especially, at, uh, that whatever they dream, they can achieve. I must, I must admit, it, one thing that very, very, dis really disturbs me genuinely a is there. the Fair fact that the it's, 20, it, it, it's 2016, and the stories of this nature are still making news. I think that's the thing that disturbs me the most about this is, you know, I mean, there's no reason uh, why there shouldn't be 100% equality in this day and age. And, and I just find it disturbing still in, you know, in 2016 that this sort of story is still big news. Pi female pilots, yeah. I know. There are more and more well, now. On the fact there that are not, more and more now, for sure, And, they're not, and they're not allowed to, to, to drive in their own mm. country. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, I, I just, I guess we're lucky that we live in a country where, you know, uh, it is. I mean, I, I know they still, I, I know women in general do still struggle with a little bit of, um, you know, sort of equality in the workplace and things like that. But, uh, you know, it's just it's just very bizarre in this day and age, really. You know, we've evolved as a as a, as a species so much, and then and then you just get the odd the odd hiccup like this. But uh, we we have we have got we have got uh, we've got a few uh, of uh, in the chat room 
of uh, young lady pilots in the yes, chat room. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, taking over the world. I know, yes. I know. Taking over the chat room. <laughs> all all the, uh, the strong female pilots in the chat room there. Yeah. Well done to you. You know who you are. Right. Okay. <laughs> so next story, yep. moving on, on to the breaking news site, this one. Yes. Okay, yes. And this is... Um, it is on the breaking news site, as Carl says, and the headline <laughs> is Finnair launches first A350 XB service to Hong Kong. So Finnair's Airbus A350 XWB, what does the XWB stand for? Extra wide body. Okay, thank you. Uh, customers flying between Hong Kong and Helsinki can now experience Finnair's A350 next generation technology and comfort. As the first airline to introduce the A350 to a Hong Kong route, Finnair's strategic... Uh, strategic, strategic Strategic. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Strategic. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Uh, no, it's uh, Finnair's strategy, oh, strategy focuses sorry. on the Asian market. Uh, together with Shanghai, Bangkok, and Beijing, Hong Kong is among the first destinations to experience the Finnair A350 aircraft within long haul operations. Uh, Finnair expects to have seven aircraft by the end of 2016 and intends to double Asian traffic by 2020. This is the biggest investment in, in Finnair. Finnair history. Uh, being among the first airlines to order, we expect the investment to enable growth both in our passenger services as well as in our cargo traffic. Time has proven that the market believes in this concept since the first A350 arrives in Asia and the experience is more than satisfactory in terms of reliability, performance and customer experience, says Lars, Lars Olofsson, uh, he's the sales director of Greater China Finnair. As one of the most important routes, we are excited to see the strong growth in the Hong Kong market. With the first A350 to fly a Hong Kong route, travellers will enjoy a new sense of flying uh, brought by Finnair. The bright and spacious award-winning cabin featuring large panoramic windows, uh, in-flight Wi-Fi, oh dear, uh, <laughs> brand, new uh, brand new entertainment system, tailored signature menu Finnair A350 brings all the luxuries you could have ever imagined in air travel with the Finnair A350 we want to offer you the best experience of Nordic hospitality oh, nice I do like the Finnair um, yeah the color scheme as well on their aircraft yeah is it, is it pink no it's not pink. <laughs> oh, right. no okay. no uh, have you uh, have you flown have you tried uh, many of the European carriers out uh, Neville so yeah, I have actually, uh, Carlos. Um, I worked in Sweden for about, uh, let me think, about five or six years on and off. And uh, so I regularly flew SAS from Heathrow through to Denmark and Sweden and flew Finnair quite a lot during that time as well. And uh, they were always a very big McDonnell Douglas customer, uh, really big into the MD-81 series, 82, 83 and 87. And um, they they had fantastic reliability from that aircraft as well over, over many, many years. It was a very economical uh, aircraft for them to fly as well. And um, But uh, they, uh, a few years ago, switched to uh, an Airbus and, and Boeing fleet, so the 737-600s. Uh, A320s, A321s, but uh, yeah, I, I very much like the Scandinavian uh, airlines, and um, I think the uh, the other airlines as well. I, I tend to I have flown Lufthansa a number of times, Swiss Air, Austrian, and uh, a few others as well. Uh, but um, yeah, I think the, uh, the Scandinavians have always had a, a, a nice product, actually. 
and an all, uh, quite a new, relatively new fleet as well. I think mm. the Finnair mm. have got quite a young fleet yeah. of aircraft, and they're um, they're they're obviously buying new stuff all the time, which is quite good. Yeah. But uh, I'd love to. I'd love, I've definitely got to. That's one I've got to try the A three fifty and Dreamliner. I really do need to. Um, when I book the flights for for the long haul this year, I'm yeah. going to try and book <laughs> try and book one that flies a long Dreamliner. Haul, where, where are you off to this time? Or a three fifty. Well, we might go back to Oman again. I don't know. Oh, really? So, yeah, it depends yeah. how we feel. Yeah. It's a nice country. Indeed. So next story. Yep. Moving on. The last story. Yeah. And uh, this one on flight uh, global. And uh, is Neville's camera Neville's uh, camera back again? We're not uh, we, no, no, no. Neville, I'll, I'll deal, I'll Neville deal that froze a bit yes, there. He's a bit frozen. Audio was fine, but audio uh, is fine, Neville. But uh, your your camera's a bit frozen there. Uh, so on the uh, flight global, the headline: Amazon signs twenty aircraft lease deal with ATSG. Cargo Air, Cargo Carrier Air Transport Services Group ATSG has uh, reached an agreement uh, to operate 20 Boeing 767 freighters for online retailer Amazon.com, a move that expands Amazon's reach into the package delivery business. The deal announced on the 9th of March uh, by by Wilmington, Ohio-based ATSG, also gives Amazon.com the option to purchase up to 19.9% of ATSG's shares over a five-year period, ATSG says. The aircraft will be leased to Amazon.com's Fulfillment Services Division and operated by ATSG subsidiaries ABX Air and Air Transport International. Uh, ABX operates uh, 19767-200 freighters and uh, 8767-300 ERFs, the extra range freighters, while ATI's fleet includes two uh, 767-200 freighters, according to uh, the Flight Global's Fleets Analyzer database. The deal calls for the aircraft to be leased for between five to seven years and to be operated uh, by ATSG for five years, they said. Uh, we're excited to supplement out existing delivery network by adding 20 planes to ensure air cargo capacity to support one and two day delivery services, says Amazon's Senior v- uh, Vice President of Worldwide Operations and Customer Service, Dave Clark, in an ATSG release. Amazon.com did not immediately respond to a request for more information. Uh, but uh, news follows reports uh, in 2015 that Amazon.com had already established a trial operation using aircraft operated by ATSG. Yeah. Amazon.com had also reportedly been in discussions with other air cargo companies, including Atlas Air and Kalita Air. Uh, setting up their own cargo operation will enable Amazon to uh, reduce reliance on mm. package delivery companies yeah. such as UPS and FedEx. I think I think it's only a matter of time, isn't it, before drones are, are commonplace delivering our goods, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> that's the, that's the long and the short of it. Yeah. But it, it's um, I, I thought when this story came about last year, I was kind of hoping that we were going to see, um, say, you know, seven sixes and triple sevens with yeah. the with the Amazon logo on right. the side. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, but no, they're going to lease these aircraft mm. from from a company. So I don't think yeah. you, I don't think you'll see the uh, you, the, you the Amazon the, dot com no, logos okay. on the side of the aircraft. <laughs> Although I'm quite surprised, you know, Amazon is such a huge, huge, huge on. Mm. Uh, um, I'm surprised they don't have their own carrier. They did, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't just buy, you know, DHL. Uh, well, <laughs> well, buy twenty or thirty of uh, yeah. of these freighters mm. and uh, you know just paint them in their own color scheme and, and try it. But I suppose it's, it's um, yeah. cheaper to to lease them off True. someone else. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Neville? Amazon having their own uh, their own freighter service. I, I think it's. Uh 
some inevitability, really, yeah. isn't there? Agreed. Uh, because uh, this is this is always you know, going to be the stage where um, people want uh, fast deliveries of things, and people need more logistics and, and more everything. Mm. Yeah, Agreed. but their stuff gets here quick anyway. <laughs> it, I know it's, it's crazy. I, I mean, oh dear! Sometimes you order things and they're I, here with the next day. I tell you what, I order, yeah, well, no, and I, I ordered um, before we did our our one hundredth episode in 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 the Vulcan, and I ordered a, a set of lights uh, so that we could you know see inside there because it was a bit dark. And uh, I ordered the, this is the thing that blew me away. I ordered them Sunday lunchtime, and they arrived Monday morning. I don't I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> and, and and it came by Royal Mail. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps they perhaps they secretly got some concords there and they're using Amazon. Secretly got some concords. Yeah. Right. That's how that's okay. how it got here that quick, you see. Wow, well, you, you you sometimes Carlos, I know. You are so delusional. I live in another world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's not it's something wrong with you. <laughs> so how 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 are you how are you enjoy, uh, enjoying yourself in Neville? Is uh, are you are you enjoying being on the show? But uh... Yeah, you you've treated me very very gently actually. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, for doing that. So we have to, uh, we have yeah, to, no, have... it's uh, it's really good guys and uh, very much appreciated. Oh, oh good. No, good. No, good. No, well, no, thanks no. for coming on. So we've got uh, we haven't got a segment from Pip as we said, nope. uh, but we're going to have a quick uh, break. Yeah, tea I'm gonna, break. I'm going to quick. Yeah. Well, we've got some coffee in the park. Yes, so absolutely. we're going to have a, we're yes. going to have a quick uh, coffee, and uh, Neville's going to run off and grab a grab a uh, grab a, 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 a pims and lemonade. Yeah. I expect. <laughs> pims and lemonade, honestly. <laughs> so uh, we're going to come back to you uh, and and uh, with uh, some military news. We've got some military news, yep. and uh, we've uh, have we got anything else to discuss? I don't no, know. I just we think that's it. Just military. I think it. that's it. Yeah, yeah military little stuff. show this week. I know yeah, it's a, it's a short show. So, but, uh, we have, like I said, we have got we we have got quite a few guests actually in the pipeline for the yes, next um, for the next quite a few episodes, and uh, hopefully we will have uh, Rick on. Yep, absolutely. Soon. He's yes. uh, he's probably still asleep. I expect. After I would imagine a, so. After his long flight. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're going to come back to you after this. <laughs> Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. TheVoicesInYourHead.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on Twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Crash, crash, turn that down. 
Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> And we are back. There we go. I've had to uh, refresh the uh, coffee mugs. Yes. And uh, yeah, we're all coffeeed up. I think. How much coffee did you put I in this I put quite thing, a lot of coffee in there. I think <laughs> if you I'll could put... see the colour, honestly. <laughs> well, it's in high definition. They should yeah. be able to see the colour of the coffee. That is really. true, yes, absolutely. Yes, we've had a permanent upgrade now. It's always in HD now. I know. Um, so for those of you who follow the guys over at uh, PCDU, Playing Crazy Down Under, mm. they have released a new episode. Yeah, um, I listened to that uh, yeah. this week and it was really good. They had an absolutely awesome vi- uh, interview from Emirates, uh, from Emirates yeah, 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 which was absolutely brilliant is um yeah they, they these guys seem to manage to get some really good interviews with yes. some uh, some quite yes. big players in the aviation industry absolutely. but no go over to uh playing crazy down under and uh, download their latest episode they're um they're, they're going to try and get as many episodes as they can out this year but i know yeah. that uh, those guys are really really busy yeah. and also i, I think grant's, grant's moving, in the in the process of moving home yes uh, so uh, he's quite he's got busy. a reasonable excuse for the moment yeah yeah, yeah. do you do, do you uh, take it you probably listen to uh, to those guys at neville a little bit i haven't actually done much recently but uh, yeah that they seem to be uh, able to to get hold of some fantastic people to interview don't they um, I mean, so they're so uh, yeah they're so busy, and I think a lot of it is because they 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 do go to the air shows, and they are commentating on a lot of these air shows, yeah. aren't they? And yeah. I mean, their calendar I think is as busy as as ours. It'd be, I'll tell you what, be, we we ought to chat to one or other or both of them actually, because I, I wonder how the 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 incident here, um, obviously with the short short it was it short it Shoreham yeah Shoreham, the Shoreham sorry yeah. the, the Shoreham yeah. air crash. It'd be interesting to see how much of an effect um, that has had on on um, on air shows abroad just out of curiosity yeah yeah you know but, i think uh, it's mostly the uk that has suffered really yeah, but um, yeah. so we have got uh, a few stories from the military segment mm-hmm. to uh, to run this week yep. uh, we we uh, tried during the break to try and get uh, mica on board with the software yeah. we've got but uh, it's kind of in a, in a meltdown at the minute. I think we were, we need some more preparation time yes, to get yes. uh, the, the. I, I uh, need to go back to the drawing board. I know. <laughs> and uh, I think we, we should use uh, Blab, but then uh, Jeff has quite a lot of issues with Blab, yeah, and we, yeah. we tend not to have and that I many will, issues I, with if this. We, if we end up using Blab, I will leave. Yeah, <laughs> there's no two ways does, about it. I Matt hate doesn't it. like I Blab. I really hate it. <laughs> Jeff's listening now, going, "No, no, Blab's okay. He won't care what I, I think." I know. I know. <laughs> no, it, it, it. I mean, Jeff gets on okay. Blab, I think, but uh, it does have a few teething issues every yep. now and again. We seem to get our okay with uh, with the vmix that we run no, here. I, like so. this, I, like this, I, like I think the problem with uh, Blab as well, uh, really, is that it's quite bandwidth hungry, and yep. and so often uh, the guys are in you know the hotel Wi-Fi yeah. environments, yeah. Uh, yeah. and those are notoriously uh, yeah. unreliable and, yeah. and choppy. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very difficult to get a good signal. I have to, I have to confess, I'm a bit of a, lo- a lover of what I call uh, linear TV, if you like. I like the uh, option of uh, being able to choose what every, what my viewer is listening or, li- or listening or watching to, perhaps. But yeah. uh, I know certainly in the environment that Jeff quite often uses, and I wonder if because it, he's able to do it from one laptop. 
um, you know, and I, I wouldn't be able to do that here. <laughs> There's no two ways around it. We have quite a lot of equipment. <laughs> yeah. here. That's the only reason we have the TriStar van. Yeah. It's just because it does. If we do an outside broadcast, my, my good old TriStar van. <laughs> Never lets me down. Oh dear. Anyway, enough of all this. Drivel. So we are gonna uh, we're gonna go with some military news. And so are, if yeah. everyone's ready, yeah, definitely. Are you, are you ready to go, Neville? With a bit. Off of... we go. Oh, good. Here we go then. So first news story for military segment this week. On Flight Global, the Italian typhoons show versatility during the red flag debut. The Italian Air Force has for the first time uh, deployed some of its Eurofighter typhoons to a red flag series exercise in the USA, with eight of the aircraft at Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada. Drawn from its 4th, 36th and 37th fighter wings and deployed from uh, Grosseto Air Base, the detachment includes three aircraft in the Eurofighter program's latest P1EB software standard and five Tranche 1 examples. Uh, the former are at times being operated uh, carrying a Rafael Lit, uh, Litning 3 target pod and a pair of inert GBU-16 Paveway-2 laser-guided bombs. Detachment Commander Colonel Marco Batoli says uh, the demonstration of the Typhoon swinging roll capability during Red Flag, uh, which includes uh, releasing GBU-16s uh, intended to support the Italian industry's efforts to export the type. The Italian Air Force would only consider using this air-to-surface functionality in very specific low-intensity scenarios, he adds. The service already operates at uh, its AMX and Panavia Tornado IDS strike aircraft in the close air support and ground attack roles and will also be introducing the Lockheed Martin F-35 to frontline service in this decade. Eurofighter will be the backbone of the Italian Air Force air defence for the coming years, uh, Batoli notes, also referring to its primary role for the nation. Six typhoons are being flown on two missions per day, including the exercise with Italy having sent uh, 24 pilots to participate in the manoeuvres, its total commitment of around 180 personnel. Turkey also deployed six F-16s and two Boeing KC-135R tankers to Red Flag, while multiple US Air Force types involved included Boeing B-1Bs and B-52 bombers, F-16s and F-15s. So we picture on the uh, screen there, if Matt just blitz that up on the uh, on the screen. There we go. One of the Eurofighter typhoons, which we've uh, we've seen quite a few times at the um, air shows last year. Riat, um, especially Riat, there was quite a few of those at Riat, yeah, which yeah. are awesome to see, and also absolutely deafened me uh, when <laughs> one of these taxied up to uh, to the flight line yeah, at okay. Riat last year, and um, yeah, that uh, kind of made my ears kind of hurt slightly just uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah but uh, any thoughts uh, Neville while you're there for uh, on the uh, military side of things here with the uh, with the Eurofighter yeah I mean it's incredible aircraft isn't it a fantastic amount of, of capability the thing that interests me about them 
the military i've got I'm, I'm have no expertise in this area at all but if you just think about it that the military are always responding to uh politicians effectively government requests uh, about uh the security of their country and international events and with the lead time that there must be on producing uh, aircraft and aircraft carriers and training crews uh, th they must always be on the back foot and responding to the world events uh, in, the, in the current climate must be absolutely impossible and i just do not know how the military work in in that respect it must be extremely challenging uh to get uh logistics and and aircraft and and people uh in the right place at, at the right time depending on on the um the threat that people are responding to yeah it's a massive undertaking by mm. by all the forces involved um including the royal air force you know there were they're quite stretched, I think, in this country. You'll probably agree, Neville, you know, the Royal Air Force yeah. are quite stretched in the country to provide. And plus, we haven't got... Uh, we, I think we still haven't got yet a... Um, a early, oh, not the um, Maritime sur Surveillance Aircraft, have mm. we? That's right. Uh, yeah. In the UK yet. So uh, we have to rely on other countries mm. to, uh, to help us out in that respect. But So next story, moving on, on yes. Flight Global. Yeah, the next story is uh, Flight Global. It's USAF to begin converting L model... Backhawks into HH-60Gs. Uh, the U.S. Air Force expects to begin converting 21 second-hand U.S. Army L model Blackhawks uh, to the HH-60G Pavehawk standard for combat rescue missions later this year. Introduced during the Reagan administration in 1982, the Sikorsky H-60-based Pavehawk fleet has depleted from 112 down to 97 helicopters since the type's introduction. 50 of those remaining 97 platforms have sustained battle damage over the course of the 15,000, wow, that's a huge number, isn't it? 15,000 rescue missions uh, since 2001, mostly wow. in Iraq and, Af and Afghanistan. The Air Force has already spent $372 million developing and purchasing modification kits for those 21 Black Hawks, and another $71 million uh, is earmarked in the service's fiscal year 2017 and 18 uh, for budget plans to complete the project and insert them into the Parascue, is it the Paris Para, Para Rescue Force? Sorry, mm. uh, service budget documents have noted uh, in written testimony to a congressional panel on rotorcraft modification on the 16th of March. The service says that 91.4 million. Uh, million dollars has been requested for fiscal 2017 uh, to support modernization of the HH-60G fleet uh, even as the new Sikorsky HH-60W combat rescue helicopter enters development for fielding in 2020. Of that money the majority begins conversion of the analog cockpit UH-60Ls by adding Pavehawks capabilities like an air refueling probe, uh, color water, uh, color, sorry, color weather radar and forward-looking infrared sensor. The Pavehawk capacity has been a major problem for the Air Force since its cancellation of the Combat Search and Rescue, that's the CSARX program, which would have procured 141 Boeing HH-47 Chinooks. Oh, I do love a Chinook. <laughs> you know, I've, um, I, I, you know obviously, we've, we've talked about these, the UH-60 before, the Pavehawks and that. And um, I'm not I'm I'm not a massive helicopter fan. You know, I, I you know, I've obviously been on a helicopter. I just realised I left that on the wrong camera, didn't I? I know yes. you put it on the wrong camera. Doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, I, I've got to say, I I act that this is these are, you know if I had a you know I had a top sort of five of, uh, of yeah. helicopters, this would definitely be in in my top five. Mm. 
Um, love this helicopter, you know, it, to look at, and it's uh, it's quite yeah. an awesome machine. Saw one of these up close uh, a few uh, a few years back at uh, Riyadh as well, and um, yeah, they are a bit. We covered a story actually. Was it a few weeks ago? We covered a story there. They might uh, be considering converting some of these into civilian use, Neville. Yes, uh, that would be uh, pretty nice, wouldn't it? And um, I seem to remember, although I never went on the service, that um, there was actually a helicopter service between Heathrow and Gatwick uh, really? many, many years ago. Uh, well, if you uh, ended up uh, landing at Gatwick and you were flying off from Heathrow, there was actually a uh, about a thirty or forty person helicopter service that, that took you from uh, one airport to the other. Uh, those were the days. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Helicopter services at that. There's enough going on there now with yeah, uh, yeah. helicopters well, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite. Yeah. Imagine you know the airspace congestion uh, anyway around those areas. But uh, mm. uh, but in fact, actually, uh, uh, what should be just a short trip on the M25 from one airport to the other uh, never is, is it? It's uh, awful, no. absolutely terrible. <laughs> yeah. So next story uh, on Flight Global and Lockheed's long-running F-16 line in Fort Worth going cold. Oh right. Wow, that's been going for a long while. The, on yeah. the 45th anniversary of the F-16 lightweight fighter's first flight, Lockheed Martin faces the very real prospect of turning off Fighting Falcon production, as prospective customers like Pakistan struggle to uh, clear the US government's regulatory and funding process. After assembling more than 4,500 F-16s in almost 140 different configurations, the uh, Fort Worth, Texas production line is thawing from hot to lukewarm and could go cold by the end of 2017 after Lockheed delivers the remaining seven of 36 Iraqi F-16 IQs uh, to, uh, to the Iraqi Air Force. Uh, Lockheed's F-16 program chief Susan Alt said uh, uh, last week that several countries have expressed a strong preference for the F-16 uh, to the U.S. government, but the nearest opportunity is almost $700 million deal with Pakistan for eight Block 52 jets powered by Pratt & Whitney F-100-229s. In a recently uh, cleared a 30-day notification period in Congress after being approved by the U.S. State Department in February, but concerns about the foreign military financing of the arms package uh, means that Pakistan may need to come up with the money on its own. They're working hour by hour and day by day with the U.S. government to try and get through the political wickets, says Outs, and there's still a hoop of what's affordable uh, from a Pakistan fully funded program as perspective. Uh, they're anticipating uh, that before the end of May this year, they'll have a positive indication from Pakistan that they are buying some quantity of jets and that they hope it's around eight. Uh, Lockheed has already begun procuring uh, vital long lead components in the hope of securing another contract. But without looking, uh, locking new customers uh, soon, production will be turned off next year. That's a bit of a sad story, mm. really. The F-16 has been going for, for a heck of a long time. Yeah. Um, seen, seen these many, many, many times at uh, air shows, mm. including Malta last year. Yeah. Uh, the Belgian Air Force had their solo uh, F-16 display jet there. And uh, I'm, I'm guessing... Well, and both the F-15 and the F-16, I mean, they are, they are, they're such famous aircraft, aren't they? I'm guessing you, you must have seen the F-16 quite a few times at uh, air shows, Neville. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, I was just thinking about the, the the funding that you were talking about just there. And uh, if you want to uh, burn money, military is the way to go, isn't it? <laughs> the the, <laughs> the uh, budgets associated with this stuff are just eye-watering. And um, uh, unless you're in the, the, the Middle East or, or somewhere like that, there, there would never be enough money to have all the military capability that you would ever need. And yeah. uh, I think so a lot of countries are having to think very seriously about how they deploy uh, military operations in the future because the the, the threats uh, are not necessarily uh, the traditional ones uh, no. there are cyber threats and all sorts of other things going on yeah. now so uh, so maybe the, uh, the there is a quite a big rethink uh, required yeah absolutely so we'll be going to the last story and then we'll have a little chat with Neville I think. yes yeah, we'll have a little chat yes. with Neville so the last story then Matt now, yes, this is on Flight Global again, and the headline is Skunk Works pushes investment in F-22 and F-35 over new aircraft. Ooh, Lockheed Martin has warned against rushing into a sixth-generation fighter program um, with... Uh, sorry, I've done it again. One second. Sorry. <laughs> so Lockheed Martin has warned uh, against uh, rushing into a sixth generation fighter program without the first uh, boosting the without first boosting the F-35 Lightning II numbers and implementing a robust modernization program to keep fifth generation F-22s and F-35s capable against new counter air threats. The Pentagon plans to buy 2,443 F-35s, but the program has been delayed by six years and almost doubled in cost compared to projections in 2000. Because of problems during development, however, Lockheed's uh, Skunks Works chief says uh, once fully fielded, the combination of the F-22s and the F-35s will achieve the air dominance that America desires for the next 30 to 40 years. Uh, the quicker we can get a force structure that's heavily populated by fifth-generation airplanes, the better, says Rob Wise, who has led Lockheed's Advanced Development Program office since 2013 or 2013. Sorry, I should say. There's often that debate, isn't there? Where that yeah. at this stage it should be 20, 2013 or, 20, or 2013. Uh, <laughs> we should minimise the investment in fourth generation planes, nothing beyond what is needed to maintain the force structure because obviously fourth generation airplanes aren't leaving the force structure immediately. Uh, his comments made at a Lockheed media event in Washington DC this week come as the Air Force and Navy conduct an uh, analysis of their future. Air dominance uh, needs more specifically something to replace the Boeing F slash A eighteen Super Hornet and perhaps the F fifteen, as we mentioned earlier. The two services are working together in common components like um propulsion systems and defensive suits but will likely press forward with separate fighter platforms tailored to their different needs. The Air Force has suggested that some companies like Hot Lockheed might push block upgrades of existing aircraft as an air dominant solution instead of an entirely new aircraft but Northrop Grumman and Boeing need some way uh, to break back into the high end combat jet market. Northrop builds the F-35 uh, center fuselages and has the B-20 strategic bomber contract but Boeing has nothing to succeed uh, its F slash AA-18 and F-15s at uh, its military aircraft plant in St. Louis uh, since its X-32 lost to the F-35 for the winner takes all joint fight strike fighter contract in 2001. Now I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing the F-35 at uh, at Riyadh this year, mm. uh, it's been confirmed at being at Riyadh this year. Yeah. Are, are you uh, heading off to Riyadh this year, Neville? 
Uh, no, I'm not actually, uh, Carlos, but uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to go one, yeah, certainly. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite busy around about that time, actually. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's definitely going to be on my uh, list yeah. of things to do uh, next time around. You're actually hoping to go to both, aren't you? You're going to be at, uh, well, no, you are going to both. You're going to be at Farm well, and I hope so. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Booked accommodation yeah, for both. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. No, we, uh, we hopefully... And I'll be there on. if I can. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the last military story for, yes. uh, for this week. So... Uh, well, so we'll uh, we'll have a quick uh, quick chat with Neville then yes. before before we finish the show. Just sort of uh, get a bit of a background of uh, how how uh, how your passion for aviation started, then Neville. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm not really sure, but I think uh, my my parents were always very interested in, in aviation, and, and they both were. Uh, at one stage or another for uh, British Aerospace at, oh, cool. at Hatfield uh, many years ago um, on both civil and military operations there and um, I, I got to the stage where I, I thought really that I probably really wanted to be a pilot about 19 or 20 years old but uh, honestly but uh, my ability to pass exams was so poor at school I, I, I left with just you know two O-levels when I was 16 and Really, the, the the minimum requirement there was to stay on for A levels and university education, and, and that just wasn't me at all. So uh, I ended up um, my my first ever job when I was sixteen could could not be more different uh, from uh, the, the subjects that we're talking about now. And uh, just up the road from me, uh, when I used to live in uh, Watford in Hertfordshire, uh, was Elstree uh, uh, Studios, and it, it's still there now. But oh, uh, yes. they used to make the Muppet Show there, and uh, my first ever job was working on the sound crew uh, on the Muppet Show. Uh, oh, in 1978, I'm so, so jealous. Uh, I'm and so jealous. 35 years later, I'm still working with a load of muppets. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, now. Uh, so uh, yeah, I've, I've I've had a very very fortunate uh, career uh, outside of aviation, but still maintaining uh, an interest within it. And actually, my um, uh, my partner, her father, worked at uh, uh, Hawker Sidley at um, uh, Hatfield for many years as well on, on the 146. Uh, aircraft and that, that's still actually one of my favorite planes uh, as well uh, terribly um, underrated aircraft I think but uh, the, the two or three times I've flown on, on the 146 or the RJ as it is uh, now known uh, a really really nice aircraft very nicely made yeah you've uh, any um, aspirations to learn the fly level I'd love to do that. I think that the don't. It's the, too expensive. The, the, the cost associated with it is just incredible. I mean, yeah. absolutely hats off to you and, and Matty Fab and, and everybody else that, that's doing it. I think it's a fantastic uh, thing to do. We've got some very good flying schools, you know, locally mm. to, to me here uh, near to Oxford, uh, High Wycombe, Denham, uh, all, all that part, part of the world. So uh, there's, there's no shortage of, of capability. There, there is a shortage in my bank account, though. And uh, even if there wasn't, there certainly would be at the end of it. Yeah. But, so yeah. I, I, I would love to do it. But I think this is going to be, if I do end up doing something, this is going to be something uh, way into the future, I have to say. Yeah. Excellent. Well, well, we should ask, really, if there's any questions from anyone in the chat room. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're normally in the chat room, Neville, so we yeah, should... Yeah, he's we normally should, the one giving us yeah, the questions you're normally to the one giving us. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, mind you, the, the closest I did get to flying was um, oh, was was this. My uh, I got my, my oh, Concorde wow. simulator. Uh, simulator? Oh, wow. Experience. How lucky. 
uh, down at um, Brooklands. And um, the nice thing about it is, uh, apart from the fact that my other half bought it for me, um, <laughs> was that it is actually staffed by ex Concord crew. Oh, cool. Uh, and so when they moved the simulator from uh, Filton up to Weybridge, they completely decommissioned it uh, and they've put all new uh, graphic systems and visual systems in and projectors into it. Mm. So uh, talking to the Concord crews, they were saying actually the, the, the simulator that they've got there now is actually far better than the thing they trained on yeah. uh, all, all the way back in the 70s. And yeah. uh, It's a very popular museum at Brooklyn. I don't know if any of you guys have been there at all, but uh, no, I, I really do recommend it. It's a fascinating place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, it sounds like a place I need to go, I think, isn't it? <laughs> I have much to learn. <laughs> we, we say it all the time, you know, it's, it's Concord should never have gone, mm. really. It should still be here now. No. But uh, no, any uh, any sort of aspirations for the future then in regards to um, to aviation at all? Then uh, Neville, anything you sort of fancy trying? Yeah, I'd actually like to work in the aviation business, even mm. if it wasn't uh, as aircrew. I'd like to find a way of of getting into that at some stage. I mean, today, you know, my, my, I'm in the uh, the broadcast and audio visual business, and, and that's the one I've been in really for yeah. nearly forty years. Uh, but uh, as a complete change of career, one day I, I would like to find a, a way of actually working uh, at, at an airport. We're actually doing some work uh, for Heathrow at the moment. Uh, they hopefully will become a, a client of ours one day. So that's given me a nicer opportunity to uh, to talk to them about aviation and also uh, sell some of our solutions into there as well, hopefully. So, uh, so that's sort of a hybrid uh, of what are, I want to do. Really. Are we allowed to ask what, what, the, what the solutions are? Because I'm a bit of a media nut, so... <laughs> Or is it? Or uh, is it all cloak and dagger, hush hush type? It, it is a bit, yeah. uh, oh. but uh, <laughs> but typically, you know, uh, we supply uh, um, large and small scale solutions into uh, companies for uh, small television studios or oh, okay. uh, into universities um, for that kind of thing. Uh, large audiovisual systems for for corporate uh, right. visitor centres, museums, and that kind of thing. Oh. So uh, anywhere where you need to display things, basically. Right. Fantastic. Yes, you need to come and visit our studio you, and yeah. sort it out for us. Say, yeah, yeah, come, come well, over here. I, I think you you guys have done really well, actually. The capability that you've got now is absolutely fantastic. And uh, it's amazing, isn't it? The, the bang for the buck that you can get. Yeah. Uh, the, the amount of capability that you can get yeah. from equipment now without yeah. spending an absolute fortune on it is incredible. I, I, it really impresses me, I must say. Well, I mean, I think thinking about it, I mean, I think the most, um, I think, what is it? I mean, the program cost us about £300, didn't it? Just, the, uh, just over V-mix. the V-Mix, yeah, the V-Mix program. program. The tower, I think, cost me about 300 quid, although I've got to do some more upgrades to it. I need to improve memory, memory and things yeah. like that. Um, and that. And I mean, other than, I, I don't suppose we can include the laptops, but I mean, really, I mean, it's, it's cost about a thousand pounds, hasn't it, to get it, get it so that we yeah. can do something on YouTube. But I mean, which is a huge number, don't get me wrong, but you think, um, perhaps if, even if you go back 10, 15 years and you wanted to do this sort of thing now, I mean, it'd be impossible, wouldn't it? I mean, it, YouTube really is a, as an amazing piece of technology and the fact that they give you free access to being able to broadcast to hundreds of hundreds and well, potentially millions of people um, completely mm. free 
I think also the, the the infrastructure associated with it as well. You know, yeah. I've now finally got uh, fiber broadband yeah. uh, in into the house, and, yeah. and that that's made a, a massive difference mm. in yeah. terms of reliability. Yeah. And but of course we've got you know, I think uh, the whole country uh, just needs a a big upgrade because we've all got these smartphones, yeah. we've we've all got yeah. these things which are yeah. bandwidth and infrastructure yeah. hungry. And if we haven't got that, it won't matter how much capability we have in our studio environment no. or our broadcast. Environment. If we can't get it out the door uh, no. reliably, then um, you know there's no point in having and it. And it's certainly in a. I know we're, we're completely off topic here. I know, but uh, certainly uh, I know in, in in our rural area that we live because we we live right on the Norfolk Suffolk border. So as you can imagine, sort of decent broadband signals and things are a real impossibility almost. I mean, we do struggle mm. sometimes uh, to, to get the, the show on the air, but it, it is amazing. As actually, interesting enough, I was watching a program on on the uh, BBC News first thing this morning from Click, where they they've uh, found a system where they can broadcast at one one and a half terabytes a second i think it was built Gosh. a new transmitter wow. uh, and on all they have to do they don't have to change the fiber optic cable between the two they can just put um, they just have to change the transponder and the receiver anyway this has got nothing to do with aviation i don't know why I'm <laughs> we're <laughs> off on one now aren't we no yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah but it's sort of systems and stuff on board aircraft now we talk yes. about wi-fi now yeah absolutely you know, connectivity on the mm. on aircraft you know is is big biz, big business now. it is big business definitely yeah. big business um, I've only ever used it once with Emirates, but yeah. you know my experience of the the Wi-Fi on board on the uh, on the um, 380 mm. was that it was it was quick. Yeah, you know I, I was yeah. uploading pictures on on, uh, on Facebook and WhatsApp with with no. Tell the truth, ease. what you were doing was sending me annoying pictures of you in a very comfortable location. Oh yeah, uh, yes, using right, yes. WhatsApp. Yeah. <laughs> could uh, could I just ask you guys just just one question though? Yeah. Um, with all this connectivity that we've now got on aircraft, which is fantastic, you know that yeah. that's yeah. that's a, a massive step forward. What about this big question about taking phone calls of an aircraft? I mean, mm. I, I would be seriously irritated by that, I have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know about what, what yeah. you two guys think. Me, for me, I, I don't like people taking... I've only ever experienced it once on an aircraft, but, yeah. but people taking phone calls. And I think there's no... There's, no, no need for it at no, all. No, there's not. No. Um, I mean, for me, sending photos and stuff to, to family members on WhatsApp, but such that, as Matt, it's fun. That's not intrusive, is no, it? Because you're no, not no, saying no, no, it. You're just no. typing a few things and, and that kind of thing. But as you say, I don't know. I, I, completely, I, I completely agree with you guys. I, I think that would be absolutely horrific, wouldn't and it? And quite I mean, rightly, like Mike has just put in the chat room, yeah. that uh, it saddens him that uh, people can't be happy enough flying around the world at 600 miles an hour and are angry when they can't watch Netflix. Netflix. I know. Yeah, I know. They just don't I'm, get it, do they? I, yeah. I, I love having a window seat, and yeah. I love taking photos, yeah. albeit on my mobile phone, out of the window of uh, you know the, the, the scenery and sights that you can see when you're yeah. flying around. The Me, world. on the other hand, I'm grabbing hold of both armrests <laughs> and praying, you know. For <laughs> No, one of the things that annoys me as well is when you're, you know, when you're on a flight during the day and you're flying over some of the stunning scenery around, you know, yeah. Europe, and you've got someone sitting next to you or, or across the aisle with a window you can see, and they've got the shade down so you can't see anything. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if I mean, it's not so bad at night, I suppose. If you, if you, you know, you're sort of like way above. Oh, the night time is pretty you... fantastic to see. Some oh, is the, it? Some of the scenery I mean, at, at night, you know. A few years back, we had a we had a flight on um, around um, mm. uh, a bonfire, yeah, fireworks night, fifth of November. Yeah, and you know, seeing fireworks from that high is it, yeah. it's quite interesting. Yeah. I must admit. Yeah, Jen's just put. Actually, most people take the uh, the flying for granted. They don't understand or care about how awesome it actually is. I mean, yeah. it's a, an amazing feat of engineering, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Paul's just said, "Here's a thought." Um, 
Here's a thought. Ban all phones, tablets, laptops on board flights. Uh, all look out the window or take a book. Yeah, yeah. Take a book. That's a good. That's a good bit of advice there, Paul. Yeah, not take a tablet. A yeah, <laughs> take Be- a book. Beans, as I work for one of the biggest book manufacturers in the UK and, yes. and probably the world now. Yes, yes. Um, yes, buy a book, paperback book. <laughs> buy them from an airport, definitely. Honestly. Keeps me in business. Well, there is that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> oh dear. Right. Well, I think that's where we have to uh, bring the episode bring to a episode close. To a yeah, close. Yeah. Uh, before we uh, before we move on, I'm just going to quickly read out here. We, we were talk- obviously at the top of the show. We were talking about the Russian plane crash, uh, and uh, this is on the BBC News website. This is this was the latest update was about an hour ago, uh, just before we started, and it says Russia plane crash. Investigators have successfully recovered the flight recorder. So investigators examining the cause of a plane crash in southern Russia say that they have found both flight recorders. The Fly Dubai Boeing 737-800 crashed in southern Russian city of Rostov uh, on Don uh, killing all 62 people on board. That's the very latest uh, on obviously the terrible news that we started our show. So with. they've got the uh, they've Today. got the data in the, the uh, black boxes, the recorders yep. which is good. They can yep. uh, you know get to it straight away and find out which caused, what caused yeah, this terrible absolutely. accident. So. Yes. So, so uh, yeah, as we bring the show to a close, then it, it will just say we're going to have to say a huge thank you to Neville for oh, yeah. uh, for jumping in at the very last at moment. the very last yeah. moment today. So yeah. Neville, well, you're very welcome, guys. And obviously, I can't compete at all with uh, your original guest. No. As a second best, I, I'm delighted yeah. to be asked. Oh yeah. no, it, no, it's, no, it's nice. Pleasure. It's nice to have you. It's definitely nice to have you on, Neville. Have for a, have a good yeah, chat. Absolutely. So. Well, I, I think I think we should have a little series of of, of regular listeners to I, the show. Yeah. Yeah, I think we should perhaps every you know once yeah. a month we should yeah, pick absolutely. pick a random yeah. listener. At the end uh, of the day, they're all going to know an awful lot more than I do about oh. <laughs> so it would be quite nice. For You're me learning. To You're yeah. learning. Yeah, You're not learning. fast enough. Not fast enough. Oh dear. Anyway, so, so we're going to say a big thank you to everyone who's joined us in the chat. Yeah, room. absolutely. And uh, there's been lots and lots of people yeah, in the chat very today. Lucky, yeah. uh, Jen Ifa, uh, Shortbacker, uh, uh, Myla has uh, also been in there as well. Happy birthday to you, Myla, yes, for. Uh, for you know, for your birthday, uh, Marsha's been there. Paul, Micah, uh, Jenny in Rome. Ah, the lovely Jenny. Yeah, uh, thank you for joining us, Jenny. Hope your weather's better than it is here in the UK. Uh, yeah. Graham, uh, Pilot Pip was also in there. Yeah. Uh, Pip, could you please get your segment in for the next show? Oh, stop it! Uh, <laughs> alone. <laughs> <laughs> Matty Fab was all uh, was also in there as well. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and of course, never. and of course, Graham, so, and Graham as well. Graham Haley's been in there as yeah. well. Never forget Graham. Yeah. Uh, but no, thank you ever so much, uh, Neville, for for joining us on uh, on the episode. Yeah. You've uh, you've been an absolute legend. Thanks a lot for your That's time. Very nice, uh, guys. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me. A pleasure. So that's it. That's so we're going to bring episode number one hundred and four to yep. a close. Uh, thanks again for everyone who's listened to us. Don't forget to find us on iTunes for the audio podcast. Yep. And uh, also look for us on uh, YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, so to find us on Facebook, it is facebook.com forward splash. Forward splash? Forward splash. Forward splash Plain Talking <laughs> UK. Our Twitter handle is at Plain Talking UK. To find us on YouTube, it is youtube.com forward slash Plain Talking UK. And when we're doing a live show, you can get straight to the show now by using youtube.com forward slash Plain Talking UK forward slash live. 
Not forward splash. Not forward splash. No. That's, a, that's a new You'll thing. never find that key on a keyboard. <laughs> forward, splash. forward splash. Not unless you've knocked your coffee over anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, on that particular bombshell, from all of us here, and of course uh, Neville, who stepped into the breach at the very last moment. Give us a wave, Neville. See you guys. Yay. Thanks so much indeed. From all Take of us care, everyone. Have a great weekend. Involved. Yeah, from all of us here in the studio, it is goodbye. Bye. Bye.